Well, hey there, you are listening to another episode of Theology on the Road. My name is Steve Schramm. I am your host and also your chauffeur for the next few moments. I want to talk to you about another trend uh, that I am noticing lately. And this is something that pops up uh, a lot in the kind of conversations that come about when people start talking about views of theology, views on scripture that would be considered more heterodox. So not heretical, okay, they're not unbiblical, but uh, but heterodox. That is, they're not part of kind of the standard Christian orthodoxy that people think of. So they're not heretical, but they are heterodox. And, uh, or, or things in a somewhat similar vein. Um, let me just give you one, one example of this. Theistic evolution. More and more people are becoming and, uh, and are becoming sympathetic to um, theistic evolution. And what's interesting is whenever I hear someone speak from the, uh, especially popularizers, from the biblical standpoint of what the Bible uh, allows for, what the Bible says, etc., with respect to this, uh, from a proponent of theistic evolution, I hear a lot of this word uh, could. Or even if it's not exactly the word could, it's um, something along these lines. So let me just explain what I, what I mean, and maybe you'll understand just by my explaining it. The word could denotes what is possible given certain background information or given uh, certain assumptions. So, given that God created the world, is something like theistic evolution possible? Well, the answer to that question must be yes. Okay? If God created the world, if what is meant by the standard definition of the word God, you know, philosophically speaking, a maximally great being, if a maximally great being that we might call God created this universe, is something like theistic evolution possible? Yes. The answer to that question, put in the way that I've put it, is yes. That could have happened. Okay? There is that word could. And... When we look at this particular situation, I think oftentimes the discussion stops there. Could God have created via theistic evolution? Yes. But then what happens when we look to the biblical text, this is where the disagreement comes in. And there are people on all sides of this. I, for example, would look at the Bible... And I would say no. It seems to me that we have some information in the Bible that would lead us to think that something like theistic evolution did not take place. Okay, but but now we're talking about a different kind of question, right? We're not talking about what is possible. We're talking about what actually happened. We're not talking about what is possible. We're talking about what actually happened. And a friend of mine, um, Doug Harold, has often pointed this out as well. And um, 
this just seems to be the tenor of the conversations that we have, and I'm sorry, I hope this doesn't offend you, but whenever we speak to um, old earth creationists of any kind, what's really interesting is, is it seems like the young earth creationist has a, a, a certain set of scriptures that he can very consistently appeal to and, and build a pretty strong case taken, um, you know, taking the biblical account at face value, but still respecting the languages and um, things of that nature and the culture and all of that. Um, it seems that the young age creationists can still build a case based on specific statements in uh, scripture. But when the old earth creationist uh, begins to look at things, it's not usually that simple. There are, what they have to do in that case is just revert to pointing out, oh, well, this looks like an inconsistency given your view. And then it's the onus of the young age creationist to, to respond to that and say, well, no, I don't think this is an issue. Here's why. And so we can have those discussions, but I really think it's interesting that the uh, one group of people has to say, well, it really could mean, it could mean this. But the other group can say, well, given this information in the text, it most plausibly does mean this. And again, there would certainly be some disagreement there, but I'm just using that as an example of the general point. So be careful when you're having discussions with, with people about what, what they say might be possible or could be possible when they're looking to see if their view, if their belief about reality is something that could be fit into the Bible. Remember, we're much more interested with finding out what the Bible says. Now, Dr. Craig, uh, William Lane Craig, um, has an interesting way of saying this. I've heard him say this on numerous occasions, and I, you know, I'm not really sure on my thoughts about it. Uh, I, I don't know that I like it, but it is worth pointing out. So he often uses this kind of phrase when he's doing a study like this. What does the Bible commit us to? What does the Bible commit us to? Now, the last time I heard him mention this, it was with respect, uh, specific regard to the question of the historical Adam. Does the Bible commit us to a historical Adam. And, uh, you know, it's irrelevant to the discussion, but I believe he came to the conclusion that, yes, the Bible does commit us to a, a historical Adam. There are verses in the Bible that would be literally false if, in fact, there was no historical Adam at some time in the past. So he, he landed on, on that view. Okay. But he's saying, what does the Bible commit us to? So what he means by that is not necessarily what does the Bible teach in a holistic fashion, but what kind of things can we get away with saying? In other words, what, like for instance with science, when we're thinking about uh, creating a systematic theology where we work in science and philosophy and theology and biblical studies and all these different disciplines to try to form a coherent worldview, um, when, when we put those things together, uh, he says, well, what does the Bible commit us to? In other words, what things from science can we accept or what things must we reject given this biblical statement? And the problem I have with that is, you know, you really have to still argue for what it is that the Bible co commits us to. Uh, for example, in my case, 
I would disagree with Dr. Craig because Dr. Craig obviously doesn't believe that the Bible commits us to believing in the days of Genesis being regular length days, 24-hour length days. Well, I mean, it really depends on what sense you mean does the Bible commit us to that. In the sense of there's one right interpretation of Scripture and X is the most plausible interpretation, if that's what it means for the Bible to commit us to something, then I think the Bible does commit us to, for example, the the 24-hour day view uh, of the of the creation days. I, I think the Bible is so clear on that that it, it could not simply be uh, any clearer, frankly. So I do think that the Bible commits us to that. But obviously Dr. Craig doesn't think so. He, he believes that there is a wide range of interpretations that uh, could fit right there. Well, I mean, I simply disagree. And of course, it would be uh, up to me to, to have that argument or up to somebody to have that argument and to have that discussion with uh, somebody who claimed otherwise, right? Um, but nevertheless, you can't help but deny or you can't help rather but recognize that when it comes to these kind of views that would be kind of like Neo, these, these, these newer formed views based on newer scientific discoveries, etc., it always seems like the laurels are being rested on that would say something like, well, this could be the case, or we're not committed to think this. It could be an interpretation, but we're not, we're not committed to think this. Whereas that same kind of thing, given um, the interpretation uh, being coming from a less controversial place in Scripture, uh, that kind of thing wouldn't be questioned. So that's just something I'm noticing lately. I wanted to bring to your attention. Just be thoughtful of that. When somebody starts talking about what is possible, what could be possible, you know, when, when you're having a discussion with somebody that the point is to try to get to the author's intent, what the Bible actually teaches on this, then I think it's important to make some inferences, to draw some conclusions, to move past what maybe could be possible and say, no, I think the Bible really teaches this. Why specifically? What reason do you have to think that the Bible does not teach this? And may I have an opportunity to answer those objections? I mean, that's the kind of thing I think that productive dialogue uh, is rested on. And, you know, I, uh, I realize that sometimes when you do that, you end up coming to conclusions on things that are not comfortable for a lot of people. It'd be way easier for me to just say, oh, yeah, it's possible to be a theistic evolutionist because it's possible that Genesis doesn't um, really teach this. I mean, anything's possible. Uh, so as long as God created the world, then in principle, theistic evolution is possible. It'd be way easier for me to not be so controversial and just say, yeah, sure. Like, you know, I believe modern science. I also believe the Bible. I believe Jesus is who he said he was, etc. And don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not accusing theistic evolutionists or anybody else of being lazy. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not accusing them of lazily accepting majority beliefs and, and wanting to integrate them. I'm just saying that life would be a lot easier, in the sciences at, at least, uh, being accepted if you're somebody who you know, affirms theistic evolution, um, than to be the guy who comes in and says, nope, this thing was created in six days, around 6,000 years ago, etc. Like that's, that's a tough position to take. But I really do believe that the Bible commits me to that position, and that's why I hold it. So it's important to move the conversation past what could happen and what could be possible and what actually is 
the case. Thank you so much for joining us. If you have any questions or disagreements or comments you want to make about that, I would love for you to write in Steve Schramm, or actually not write in, but actually um, record a, a voice message for me. I think you can only do up to about a minute or so, so it doesn't have to be long. If you have a blog or a podcast or something, feel free to uh, to promote that on there as well. But you could say, uh, hey, this is so-and-so from such-and-such podcast, and I have this question or this thought, and then you can do it. So to do that, you just go to steveschramm.com slash ask steveschramm.com slash ask. I would love to have your thoughts on that. You know, if, if you if you disagree with me, then give me your thoughts real quick. Why why is it acceptable? Why is it okay to say that multiple interpretations are, are available to us? Do you not agree that the authors only had one singular intent? And do you not agree that we can come to reasonable conclusions about what that intent was? Um, tell me what you think, all right? God bless you guys. I love you. steveschramm.com slash ask. We will talk soon. Bye-bye.